0: Chapter Two of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two contains some passages which perhaps may be looked upon as pretty extraordinary. According to the common rule of honour among gentlemen, Mister. Trueworth had certainly behaved so as not to have either that or his good nature called into question. But this was not enough to satisfy him. He could not be easy under the reflection that the obligations he had conferred gave a painful gratitude to the receiver. He was deeply affected with Mr. Staple's letter. He doubted not but that gentleman, in forcing himself to resign his pretensions to Miss Betsy, must suffer the extremest agonies, And heartily commiserating a case which, had fortune so decreed, might have been his own, immediately wrote to him in the following terms. To T. Staple, Esquire. Sir. I am ashamed to find the little I have done so much overrated by a person who I am certain is capable of the greatest things, but should be involved in more confusion still, should any consideration of me or my happiness prevail on you to become an enemy to your own. I am altogether unacquainted with what kind of sentiments either of us is regarded by the fair object of our mutual wishes. It is highly probable her young heart may as yet be quite insensible of those we have endeavoured to inspire it with for my own part as i have yet no reason to despair so i have had also but little room for hope you sir have an equal chance for anything i know or can boast of to the contrary and as you saw i refuse to hazard my pretensions on the point of the sword neither justice nor honour requires you should forfeit yours though an accident gave me the advantage of you in the field tis by miss betsy herself our fate is to be judged tis yet a moot point whether either will succeed in the attempt of pleasing her we may perhaps contend for an airy expectation while another more fortunate shall bear away the prize from both but if one of us is decreed to be the happy man on which soever the lot shall fall he ought not to incur the hatred of the other i gladly embrace the offer of your friendship and whatever is the fortune of our love, should in that, as in all other events, endeavour to prove that I am, with an equal sincerity, Sir, your very much obliged and most humble servant, C. Trueworth. Mr. Staple read this letter many times over, but received not all the satisfaction which the author intended it should give him, although he acknowledged the generosity of his rival, yet he could not conceive there was a possibility for a man in love to be easy under the addresses of another, without knowing himself secure of not being prejudiced by them. He therefore concluded that Mr. Chatfrey was right in his conjecture, and that Miss Betsy only waited for her brother's coming to town to declare in favour of Mr. Trueworth. This gentleman had a great share of spirit and some pride, and these making him disdain to pursue a fruitless aim, and suffering himself to be publicly overcome by Mr. Trueworth in love, as he had been in fight, very much contributed to enable him to keep that resolution he had formed in the presence of Mr. Goodman and Mr. Chatfrey. He answered Mr. Trueworth's letter, however, with the utmost complainance but without letting him know any part of his intentions in relation to miss betsy fearing lest any farther contest on this affair might draw from that gentleman fresh proofs of a generosity to which already he looked upon himself as too much obliged miss betsy little suspecting what had passed between her two lovers since their meeting in the green park received mr trueworth when he came to visit her the same day as usual with a great deal of good humour she took not any notice that she had heard of the duel imagining that he would himself inform her of it and he not thinking it would become him to do so as having had the advantage of his rival tis probable there would have been no mention made of it if lady melison had not come into the room and told him that she would not have broke in upon his conversation with miss betsy if it had been possible for her to have resisted the pleasure of congratulating him not only on his safety but also on his coming off victor in the field of battle the modesty of mr trueworth would not suffer him to hear these last words without blushing but soon recovering himself fortune madam answered he is not always the most favourable to the most deserving her partial smiles will never make me vain or happy unless continued he looking tenderly on miss betsy she would add to her indulgence here and give me room to hope my services to this lady might one day be crowned with the same success as she this morning gave my sword the one said miss betsy smiling has nothing to do with the other and i do not know how to think a man who really wishes nothing so much as to appear agreeable in the eyes of his mistress would run the hazard of making the contemptible figure of a culprit at the bar of a court of judicature they then fell into some discourse on duelling and mr trueworth could not help joining with the ladies in condemning the folly of that custom which contrary to the known laws of the land and oftentimes contrary to his own reason too obliges the gentleman either to obey the call of the person who challenges him to the field or by refusing submit himself not only to all the insults his adversary is pleased to treat him with but also to be branded with the infamous character of a coward by all that know him nothing material enough to be related happened in this visit except that miss flora who had been abroad when mr trueworth came and returned home a small time before he went away talked much more in half an hour than she had done for some whole days past but it was in so odd a manner sometimes praising sometimes blaming his conduct in regard to the transactions of that morning that he could not well determine in his mind whether she was a friend or an enemy to the success of his passion miss betsy herself was a little surprised but nothing relating to that young lady dwelt much upon her mind as she really thought she had no design in anything she said or did the behaviour of mr staple ran much more in her head she knew he was pretty much wounded and therefore might suppose him unable to wait on her in person but having expected he would send his compliments to her either by letter or message and finding he did neither the whole day it seemed to her a thing too strange to be accounted for she was however eased of the suspense we was in on that score by receiving from him as she was at breakfast the next morning the following epistle to miss Betsy thoughtless madam a brother's recommendation superior merit and your own inclination have all united to plead my rival's cause and gain the verdict against unhappy me i ought more early to have seen the vanity of attempting to succeed where mr trueworth was the candidate yet hurried by the violence of my passion i rushed into an action which by adding to his glory has shown my demerits in a more conspicuous light than ever it will be needless to repeat what happened yesterday i cannot doubt madam that you are well acquainted with all the particulars of my folly and the just punishment it met with i have only to say the generosity of my rival and my conqueror has restored me to my lost reason and convinced me that whatever preference he may be so happy as to have gained in your esteem he is indebted for it, to the excellence of your good sense, and not that partial fancy which frequently misguides the choice of persons of your sex and age. I would have waited on you in person to take my everlasting leave, but I am not certain how far I ought to depend on the strength of my resolution in your presence. Permit, therefore, my pen to do that which my tongue would falter in performing. Yes, madam i must forego renounce for ever those glorious expectations with which so lately i flattered my fond heart henceforth must think on you as the fallen father of mankind did on the tree of life the merits of my too accomplished rival are the flaming swords which drive me from my once hoped-for paradise and while i mourn my unhappy fate compels me to own it to be just farewell o most amiable of your sex farewell for ever i have troubled you too long and have no excuse to make but that it is the last you will receive from me may the blessed guardians of the fair and good be your constant directors and shield you from all ills be assured that till i cease to exist i shall not cease to be with the sincerest good wishes madam your most faithful though unfortunate humble servant t staple miss Betsy was astonished to that degree on reading so unexpected a declaration that she could scarce believe she was awake for some moments and thought it all a dream she broke off and made several pauses in the reading crying out good god is it possible what does the man mean how came such stuff into his head he is mad sure mr goodman who had some notion of what had put her in this ferment and was willing to be more confirmed asked her in a pleasant way what had occasioned it indeed sir replied miss betsy endeavouring to compose herself i have been so confounded that i knew not where i was or who was in the room i ask your pardon but this i hope will plead my excuse continued she throwing the letter on the table your friend has given over his suit to me which i am very glad of but the motives which he pretends oblige him to it are so odd and capricious as not to be accounted for given over his suit cried lady mellison hastily oh pray let us hear on what pretence on which mr goodman read the letter aloud the very repetition of which renewed miss Betsy's agitations he had acted said mr goodman as soon as he had done reading like a man of sense and resolution and i see no cause why you should be disconcerted at the loss of a lover whose pretensions you did not design to favour he was very hasty, however, cried Miss Betsy scornfully, in concluding for me. What did the man think I was to be won at once? Did he imagine his merits were so extraordinary that there required no more to obtain than barely to ask, but I give myself no concern on that score, I assure you, sir. It is the insolence of his accusing me of being in love that vexes me. Who told him, I wonder, or how came such a thing into his head that Mr. Trueworth had the preference in my esteem? by the manner in which he speaks of him in his letter he has found more perfections in him than ever i did and would make one think he were himself enamoured of his rival's merits in answer to all this he told her with a serious air that mr staple was bound by all those ties which engage a noble mind to act in the manner he had done that he had been twice indebted to Mr. Trueworth for his life, and that the whole behaviour of that gentleman towards him, both during the combat and after it was over, demanded all the returns that gratitude could pay. He afterwards ran into a detail of all the particulars of what had passed between the two rivals, many of which the ladies were ignorant of before. Lady Mellison joined with her husband in extolling the greatness of soul which Mr. Trueworth had shown on this occasion, but Miss Flora said little, and what she did was rather in praise of mr staple mr trueworth cried she is a fine gentleman enough but has done no more than what any man of honour would do and for my part i think that mr staple in putting the self-denial he has now shown in practice discovers more of the hero and philosopher than the other has done The conversation on this topic lasted some time, and probably would not have broke off so soon, if it had not been interrupted by two young ladies coming in to ask Miss Betsy and Miss Flora if they were not for the park that morning, to which they, having agreed and promised to call on them in their way, went up into their chamber, in order to prepare themselves for the walk proposed. End of chapter 2